Good afternoon, James. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well. Each day gets better than the last. Very true, yeah. <laughs> Pornography. Uh-huh, yep. Where are you going with this? Should it be banned? Absolutely. All right, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Obviously, you're a big fan. No, I'm a known asexual. A-curious, sorry. A-curious. Right. So, you're considering the asexual lifestyle? I'm proudly A-curious. Okay, cool. And also, obviously, consuming, you know, hours and hours and hours of internet pornography doesn't really fit into that lifestyle. No, it doesn't. Have you seen any asexual porn? No, I haven't. What? How does that go? Well, neither. Oh, well, I see. I see. I can. Well, no, today we're talking about MindGeek. MindGeek, yeah. The company, the conglomerate that owns, I know they own YouPorn. They own, I've, I've actually got a list here. I prepared a list for those who aren't familiar with the company MindGeek. A lot of people aren't. Uh, stop me if you've heard any of these. Pornhub, RedTube, YouPorn, Reality Kings, Digital Playground, Men.com, Brazzers, Twisties, Mofos, Babes. They own both Milf Hunter and Milf Next Door. That's like someone owning Pepsi and Coke. Um, so you think there might be antitrust implications? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, people do kind of talk about this. They're a company that owns a huge chunk of the online adult industry. And if this was in any other industry, some writers have kind of pontificated on, maybe mm. there would be actually a little bit more, yeah, like antitrust interest. Mm. Um, because, you know, the adult industry is kind of like a shadow Hollywood, right? They've got studios, they've got distributors, they've got websites, they've got talent agencies, you know, actors and actresses, but they because people don't like talking about it, mm. a lot of this stuff sort of happens in the darkness mm. where there's a little bit less scrutiny on it. Mm. Um, so MindGeek, the reason that they're in the news at the moment uh, is because they've been facing a number of lawsuits for over basically revenge porn, and they've also faced investigation over child pornography, basically being hosted on websites like Pornhub. Mm. Uh, and the latest story that came out this week was that Visa and MasterCard are both terminating their relationship with Traffic Junkie, which is the ad network that they use across all of their sites. Mm. So advertisers can't use Visa and MasterCard to purchase advertising on these sites. Obviously, that's a huge hit to their global revenue. Mm. And now that's kind of, that's it. We're floating in this weird zone now. And it's raised all these sort of questions about, you know, Visa and MasterCard censoring and having like censorship power over online commerce. Um, but also the big questions of the day around, you know, revenge porn being on platforms like Pornhub. The reason why Visa have made this call is because at the moment there's a court case, is my understanding. A woman who at the time was 13, that's right. a, a video was posted on uh, you. Porn or Pornhub, yep. one of one of their properties, and obviously next to that video, advertising occurs, and that advertising is facilitated by Visa, and so they are being sued for receiving proceeds um, related to child right. pornography. They tried to have that thrown out of court. It hasn't been thrown out of court, and the judge just made the decision four days ago, and in response, they've basically pulled the ability to make Visa payments through their advertising network. Yep. It's really funny. So I, I got, I've been really interested in MindGeek for ages. I started reading stories about them in like 2015 or so when people were like, what's the go with this one company that owns everything? They own studios, they own platforms, they own distribution, all that sort of stuff. And Traffic Junkie, which is a massive ad network. This is mm. the, the funny thing about it is that before the, we recorded this, I sat down and read their media kit. They've got a obviously like a regular PDF media kit they put out just like any advertising platform or creative agency or whatever, mm. which basically says, you know, here's the size of our network, here's 
why it would be valuable to sign up for us versus somewhere else. Mm. They report like hundreds of millions of impressions every day, which is massive. Understandably, because if whenever you look at like the top 10 most popular websites in yep. any one country, there's like three porn sites on them. And those porn sites are probably owned all, by MindGeek. They're basically all owned by, by MindGeek. Yeah, totally. Then you scroll down a little bit through their media kit and they talk about what clients they've worked with. Mm. And it's like, it's all other porn sites. <laughs> so it's like, it's just the industry advertising each other. Online gambling, mm, you know, various cannabis related properties. Yeah. Then they had Vice. But then it turned out, I looked into this, I was like, why did Vice advertise on, on Pornhub? And it was literally just like a novelty ad oh, that they right. had done for like one of their sex related shows. So it wasn't even like a consistent client. It was like they did one thing yeah. as a joke. And then like Jurex Condoms. Jurex Condoms is probably the most mainstream brand that they advertise on there. And obviously that's pretty obvious why. So they faced the problem. They have this massive ad network seen by so many people mm. that nobody actually really wants to advertise on. So one thing they've been doing over the years is like trying to make porn consumption a little bit more mainstream because mm. this is financially beneficial to them because then they might be able to get big-name clients potentially advertised on their sites. Yeah. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, I'm kind of conflicted about this stuff because you're right. One of the concerns here that's been brought up is like Visa several days ago says we're not processing payments for ads. They then immediately removed something like 80% of their unverified content. And so people are pointing this and saying, see, Visa do have the power to moderate these sites. But my position on that is like more broadly, we have this expectation now, like no one expects the government to do anything. Sure, right? yeah, okay. Yep. <laughs> or like regulators or institutions that like are ostensibly voted on. By the people, like, yeah, yeah. Create laws based on what society wants and expects and the morality of society. We just go like, well, that's not going to happen. So we expect like a large multinational company to make moralistic decisions for us. Now, in this case, so obviously there's obviously some legal implications yep. as well. I... Certainly have concerns with regards to that. It's kind of an interesting one. It kind of relates to, there was a story obviously a few months ago, the exact same thing happened with OnlyFans as well. Mm. There was a moment where it looked like OnlyFans was going to ban porn altogether, which is kind of like the whole reason people use OnlyFans. They like to pretend that it's just like a creative platform that anyone can do anything on, but obviously it's only used for porn or the vast majority of it. Um, and they suddenly announced, oh, we're going to ban porn. And the reason was that they were facing the exact same problems with payment providers like Visa and MasterCard, who, again, they have all sorts of legal issues with being associated with sex trafficking, child porn, all that kind of stuff. It raises that weird question where it's like our, the enforcement mechanism for all this stuff is just payment providers and like Visa and MasterCard essentially calling the shots yeah. and their risk management teams being the ones that sort of enforce online morality. Yeah. Like why is no one saying, hold on, like the website hosted child pornography, people should be charged potentially. And yeah. like the website should be held like legally liable outside of the court where you're just hoping for like a class action lawsuit. More broadly though, do we think, does one, and I say we collectively, including you, the listener, do we think that a YouTube style porn platform is a good <laughs> idea well this is the this is the big thing as well where it's like they're really forward about oh we do all this kind of due diligence stuff but i think like the moderation problem on something like pornhub is actually insurmountable at least like as it exists where anyone can upload anything yeah and not only that but like pornhub is kind of like and all their other sites are incentivized to like allow content that is like right up to the line in terms of legality because, you know, they want as much content as possible. They want to indulge, you know, whatever people want on that site 
that is legal. So as a result, stuff that's like illegal slips through the, the cracks. They can't get to it. And there's been lots of evidence that they are really slow to act on this kind of stuff. Part of that might be because it's a huge task to moderate when mm. there is like as much stuff as being uploaded to YouTube is like uploaded to Pornhub every day. Yeah. It's actually not quite that much, but it's it's a huge amount of content. They can't be expected to like to moderate all that. So it does come back to the question is like, <laughs> should we actually have a free for all YouTube upload what you want porn site that anyone can access? <laughs> Maybe not. To that point, my understanding is the moderation team has been between six and 30 people at a maximum. And that moderation team is also tasked with like tagging videos and optimizing headlines and that kind of thing. So they're not strictly uh, moderation as well as advertisers through the advertising network. You're able to target terms like barely legal to advertise against, which is certainly a gray area. (laughs) But I put it to you, you know, you say like they can't be expected to moderate all that stuff. I have a radical idea Uh that maybe this idea of us being able to upload and share videos with no moderation and then just kind of relying on after the fact people reporting after they've seen it and it's spread or some AI making some decision, maybe you need to build into your business model that every single piece of video content or image content is actually moderated before it goes live like maybe there needs to be a delay in like do we need a society where you're able to upload porn and it's immediately visible or even videos in general or if you're a company like MindGeek and you know apparently they make you know half a billion dollars a year in ad revenue with 50% profit margins very cash flow positive business yeah sorry you have to employ a thousand moderators or however many it takes not that that sounds like a very good job <laughs> no I mean, I guess for some people, it's an amazing job. Yeah, but I'm a curious. A so curious. You, you would you wouldn't know. I think that's like yeah, exactly. Obviously, there's like the internet has been structured around platforms like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and then Pornhub, where you know they all get treated like in the same sort of realm of content, where it's like you upload something that's just there, and then people can come and look at it. Mm. Maybe a porn site shouldn't shouldn't ever operate like that. I think, or should have an absolutely ma- be mandated to have an absolutely massive moderation team. Yeah, one of the problems that they find with MindGeek particularly, is that like it's one of the most complex, incredibly complex structure for a company, deliberately. It's built of all these different subsidiaries. They didn't know who the major shareholder was until the Financial Times revealed his name like two years ago. He's like this Austrian guy. Mm. And even all their investors were were secret. This is actually a really funny detail, is that you say that they make $500 million a year in revenue, they do. But until recently, only a very, very small part of that was profit. And some years it wasn't profitable at all. And the reason was is because they actually had normal institutional investors when they first started getting big. According to the Financial Times, their investors were like JP Morgan Chase, Cornell University, Fortress Investment Group. So like big institutional money mm. who basically said, the numbers look amazing. We would love to invest into this. But the risk is so huge that you're paying like 20% interest on that, on our investment. Yeah, right. So as a result, they didn't actually make money until quite recently. Yeah. Uh, And they're domiciled in like Montreal and then like Switzerland and then Romania. If I told you like, oh, yeah, my company is, and I didn't tell you what it did, it's based in Romania and like Cyprus and Montreal, like what would you think I was was into? Maybe like the illegal diamond trade or something. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Or shipping, that's always pretty weird. Yeah, yeah, shipping is weird. It makes sense because it's a website though that we know has like illegal... Yeah, totally. But, and the flip side of the coin though is we also know that child porn has been distributed on Facebook and 
YouTube and these other places. And sure, it gets taken down when they find it. I mean, we also know that pogroms have started on Facebook, totally. right? But we don't really have any questions around whether payment services should sh- pull from Facebook. Yeah. And you're right. Like Facebook is one of the leading platforms where like illegal porn is exchanged. Mostly it's through Messenger, mm. as I understand it. It's um, Messenger is end-to-end encrypted, so... That's why it's one of the big problems. But uh, I guess the one thing that you could say in response to that is that Facebook wants all porn in all its forms like off its platform. It doesn't want any adult content. You're yeah. allowed to post anything adult on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, obviously, MindGeeks properties, Pornhub, whatever, well, they actually do want porn, shockingly. Yes. That's their entire business. And not only do they want it, as I said before, like they want stuff that's like so close to the line in terms of legality because, you know, that's what a lot of people unfortunately, (laughs) are searching for. Well, and also the other big thing that is not even mentioned nowadays is like what percentage of their audience is under 18? Oh, yeah, 100%. One of their big businesses is like Age ID. This is like one of the things that they pitch to regulators and stuff. They say, hey, we have this massive age verification software, blah, blah, blah. But who has ever seen that? I don't think that like that's ever come across my radar. I don't think anyone's ever brought up running into on any kind of site, like a really advanced age verification thing. Oh, no, the most advanced you get is like on a kid's app that has in-app purchases saying what year were you born? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And obviously there's like the UK government and the Australian government's floated it as well, the idea of having some sort of like age verification regime that's built into law. Yeah. Give them your driver's license when you want to watch porn or whatever. See, I know that at the time, and the old RAF, university RAF, who studied, you know, cybercultures and technocultures and, you know, I was a cyber utopian, would have been... And I, at the time when the UK did that, I laughed at it. But, you know, old me... <laughs> Older me, sorry. Now that you're, you're A-curious. Well, is it such a bad idea, it, porn regulation? It's complicated. I know, like, the government doing anything, taking identification, blah, 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 is like complicated. And I don't have a firm opinion, but I don't know if it's the worst idea. I don't know if a society where like anyone of any age can watch millions of hours of porn at any time, easily accessible in your pocket, is beneficial to society. Yeah, I think (laughs) that's a completely fair point. I guess the the point is like, how do you actually enforce that kind of regime? Yeah, And also it it kind of sounds a bit trite to say people get a bit funny when you talk about any sort of like internet censorship. But also it's kind of just really difficult to enforce that kind of regime unless you're doing it on a global basis. The internet's so decentralised. Yeah, totally. Like, do you have to have like a China-based situation where porn sites basically get government approval uh, in order to be able to like run in Australia, otherwise you're using VPNs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, totally. That has massive implications for the internet in general. But at the same time, you're right. Like, you can't say that, like, kids these days who, like, get on an iPad and have access just, like, this absolute fire hose of, of, like, the worst content you can possibly imagine is, like, good for society. But, like, what what do you do about it? There is a world where you do need to at least have some kind of identity verification to access websites that are able to generate profit from like a locality on an IP range. Like there are methods of doing that, which does rely on pressuring the visas and the MasterCards or the payment processes of uh, the world. So we're right, oh God, we're right back here. We haven't solved anything. But that is actually a solution, but it just yeah. needs laws around it. Yeah, totally. Rather than just ad hoc court cases from a woman who has had, you know, this traumatic experience of yeah. having um, porn of her at 13 uploaded and re-uploaded to website. Yep. Dark. Very dark. Am I making anyone else A curious? <laughs> You guys make me sick. 